Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome to Cavs HQ presented by Sherwin-Williams. Thank you for joining us on the First Energy Cleveland Cavaliers Radio Network. Now, here are your hosts, Tim Alcorn and Jim Jones. From the Cavaliers Radio Production Studios at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse in downtown Cleveland. Hi again, everybody. Welcome to Cavs HQ presented by Sherwin-Williams. As the man just said, Tim Elkhorn along with Jim Jones on the other side of the window, Marty Allen, Kurt McLaughlin, and Leo Simone. And Jim Jones, as always, a pleasure to get together with you. And as we've talked about uh, throughout the year on Cavs HQ, uh, that black book of yours is simply amazing with the names that you can come up with and the phone numbers that you deliver as far as a guest sitting in that legend's chair. And this week, uh, we're going to go back to a couple of interviews that we did uh, earlier this season. And boy, we might call this the uh, the tough guy show. We've got <laughs> we've got two enforcers on the show this week. Uh, it's always great to see a local guy make it and do well. Uh, Charles Oakley, a Cleveland kid that went on to a great NBA career, will be joining us. And of course, uh, you talk about one of the famous uh, tough guys in the NBA, Rick Mahorn. So uh, these were great conversations earlier this season. Yeah, they were. And uh, anyone who wants to get an idea. Uh, they don't even have to talk about tough. You'll hear it in their demeanor and their conversation. Yes. Uh, that these guys are very confident about who they are and what it takes to win games. And certainly uh, they both had tremendous success. So to just say these were a couple of tough guys in the NBA, well, sure, that's part of it. Uh, but they've got uh, some some hardware to show just how good they were as basketball players as well. Yeah, they do. You know, Oakley never got to the finals, right. you know, uh, but Brick Mahorn, you know, he's got two rings and uh, they came from Isaiah Thomas and all of that great group. But the one thing I notice about both of these guys, they set the standard, the modern standard for physical play. People have to remember basketball fundamentally is a physical game. And in the way that they've developed the rules and given the offense more opportunities to score and minimize the defense, the level of physicality has been minimized. And I think it takes something away from the competitiveness of the NBA basketball. That's just my two cents. (laughs) Your two cents are always welcome, Jim. Sometimes your two cents becomes three cents, four cents, and a nickel. But we'll just leave it at that. All right, we've got great conversations coming up. Charles Oakley, Rick Mahorn, they were terrific in the Legends chair. Looking forward to hearing these again. So stay with us on Cavs HQ presented by Sherwin-Williams on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network. And we welcome you back. It's Cavs HQ presented by Sherwin-Williams, Tim Elkhorn, along with Jim Jones, Marty Allen with the great music on the other side of the window, Kurt McLaughlin, Leo Simone chipping in as well. Great to have you with us. 
And boy, speaking of great, we've got another former great NBA player sitting in our Legends chair this week. Jim Jones just keeps coming up with the greats, and this guy had an unbelievable NBA career. We welcome Charles Oakley into the Legends chair and into Cavs HQ. Charles Oakley played in the NBA for 17-plus years, 1994 All-Star, 85-86 All-Rookie Team, just an unbelievable career. I won't go through it all, but uh, Charles, first of all, we appreciate you being here. Second of all, of all the guests we've had in the Legends chair, I think you're the first homegrown product, John Hay High School, man. That's the way to do oh, it. Oh, man. That's an honor there. I'm glad y'all thought of me and, and the, the other guys, Jones and all the guys, Cavaliers guys, when I was a kid, honor me to be in the legend chair. I appreciate it. So before I throw it to Jim, uh, when you were at John Hay, I'm sure you were a Cavs fan. Uh, who were some of those Cavs players that you really enjoyed and that you were a fan of uh, when you were living in the area? It was legendary, you know. They had, you know, Austin Carr, Bingo, uh, you know, they had Nate Thurman, they had um, Terry Furlow, they had Phil Hubbard, Jones, and the list goes on and on. Larry Nash and all them guys, and uh, a lot of them guys who I got a chance to play with at a young age. You know, I was, you know, I went to college, came home, played in summer league, them showed a lot of love to play in the Cahokia Community College summer league, and. You know, it brings a lot of guys down there, and to see, you know, you see a pro, you know, your eyes gonna get big, and you, you want to play well. Oak, uh, I just want to thank you. You really don't know a person until you see the road they've traveled. I know your mother and and uh, your sister, but and I also know, have, have been over to your dad's place and gotten barbecue late night. <laughs> you had the best ribs in town for a long time. No, easily, uh, yeah. easily, Oak, easily, Oak. And so I just want to start out first. Uh, I want to congratulate you on a career well spent. Let's talk basketball. Let's get into it right away. Let's talk. Uh, let's get to it. it ain't yeah, basketball no there, there's a new kind of NBA. How do you look at this uh, new NBA? Let's talk it. I look at the new NBA as it's a problem for people watching it. It's an asset builder for the people who own the teams. But, you know, in, a, in the thick of things, you know, in generation to generation, a lot of stuff has changed from me growing up, from you growing up, and you older than me, and you you see things, I see things. It's just a slide game now. It's just like it's a copycat more than ever. Everybody wants to shoot threes and pick and rolls and they forgot about the fundamentals of basketball, and that's why you see a lot of weaker teams every year. Another thing, Oak, uh, your name was synonymous with the New York Knicks, and it was because you were the leader of that team. You can be the captain, but that doesn't mean that you're the leader and that you have control of the locker room. And I know for a fact that, that the strength behind that team was Charles Oakland. As you see now, that's what we miss in the NBA. It's you got 30 teams, maybe five leaders out of the whole league. That's a sign of disaster because you need that structure. And that's why, you know, you see LeBron, no matter where he go, the team can be 20 and 62 or 30 and 50. When you get there, he break a whole new element. It's like he got the cure for the coronavirus because that's what he do. He kills things. <laughs> and put them in perspective. Everybody's like, wow, wow, you know. If people want to be a copycat, they need to copycat what LeBron have done over the 17, 18 years in the league and how he presented himself on and off the court and 
what he bring. It's, it's like a magnet that people never you know saw before. We had Michael Jordan, Magic Bird, but with LeBron, you know, you had guys play football, baseball, but with LeBron during the basketball, it would never be another LeBron. It won't be never close. We always talk about rain, but LeBron is not about the rain. LeBron is about the structure, what's going on. Let's get it right. Let's make it right. We we get opportunity to make it right. Let's talk a little bit about your foundation. I've been a foundation before a foundation ever came about because that's how I carry myself. And my I was raised my aunts, uncles, and my grandparents, my mother, and sisters, and brother, people around me. Just structure, you know. You know, every line you draw, you hope it be straight. But sometimes, you know, it's some zigzag. But it's up to the individual to find a way back to the straight line. And uh, I grew up in the inner city of Cleveland and seen a lot of things. But it all started with my grandparents, my mother, and uh, how they used to give back and help people. And my grandfather did so much. And he was in the South, you know, it was a tough time, always a tough time, still a tough time. But he took out time for everybody who stayed on the road, make sure they had to get a ride to church, a ride to town, and just help them, you know, just try to make people happy, you know, because people didn't have transportation right. now. I think they just got water, maybe like running water about 25 years ago. They, you know, dirty road, right. no gravel just 10 years ago. So you go through so much and you see, you know, either you're going to get on the bus or you're going to just walk into the woods at nighttime and get lost. But I got a chance. That I, I ain't mind walking on gravel because it made me better, made me tougher. There you go. Before we take the break, uh, speaking of roads and so forth, uh, Congratulations. I know a few years ago, Charles Oakley Way in Cleveland. Uh, you also may yeah, be the first thank guest. You, thank you. you may be the first guest that uh, has a street named after him. That had to be quite an well, honor for you. you. Know, yeah, I know they did a lot of guys in different cities, but, you know, LA, they got a Walk of Fame star, but they come out of John Hay, you know, some great people John Hicks, Anthony Hancock, Tim McGee. So we had some celebrities to come out of there, but, you know, it was just an honor, I guess, you know. Uh, you go to Hay, and you know they changed over a couple of times, and now you need a 4.0 set of 3.0 to get in there. And, uh, so it's tough <laughs> in school, but hey, you know, I just, I'm just, it's just an honor to come back and you see your name on the street and say, hey, you know, tell kids you never know what happened. Like if you just try to do the right thing and go through school and go to college, and I don't know if you're gonna be a sports doctor, lawyer, just put your mind to it, you're gonna be something. I hope you got a replica of the street sign. Is it in your man cave? Oh. It- Oh, yeah, I got one. Yeah, I got one. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, uh, like I said, my mom is still living. She's got a chance to see it. And, you know, something, you know, your parents, you know, it's just when you can still see them at an old age and, and you do something to just make them more happy and make them more stronger to live longer. There you go. Very cool. All right, we're going to take a quick time out. Sitting in the Legends Chair in this week's edition of Cavs HQ is Charles Oakley, Cleveland native, John Hay High School. We'll talk more with Oak following this on Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. Cavs HQ is brought to you by Sherwin-Williams, the official paint and coatings partner of the Cleveland Cavaliers, and by Huntington. If you need guidance on your money right now, talk to Huntington. Welcome. And we welcome you back to Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams, I'm Tim Elkhorn, joined by my broadcast partner on the Cavaliers Radio Network, Jim Jones, and a very special guest has settled into the Legends Chair this week, Charles Oakley, joining us on Cavs HQ. And, Oak, before the break, uh, we were talking about you being a John Hay and growing up in the Cleveland area. Uh, I want to go back 
because you end up going to Virginia Union out of John Hay, a D2 school yeah. down in Richmond, a historically black university. Boy, how did they find you? And obviously uh, your career there led to a great NBA career. But just talk about how you ended up at Virginia Union. Uh, it was basically, you know, I had a, I played football and basketball. And like I said, I was better than football and basketball. But I think that um, when I got recruited, you know, I had a lot of school around the, around the air, Tri-State area. And uh, some type of way, it's just this guy named Tricky Tom, he's a, he had something to do with Shaw University. And he had a, a call with uh, my coach, Mr. Olsen, at John Hay and Shaw and a few other schools in Cleveland. And he went, went down to Virginia Union and started coaching the girls. And some kind of way he heard about if he still had family in Cleveland. And Butler from Shaw went to Union the same year, myself and Grant Mayer, and all three of us went. And um, coach, you know, he's a historic black college. You know, we had a white coach and, you know, he came to Cleveland in a pickup truck with a Coke and some crackers and <laughs> came and talked. <laughs> he came and talked to my mom and on 23rd appeared. He drove from Virginia, probably took eight hours. You know, they didn't really have a big budget, so he didn't fly. But when he got there, you know, took a time, you know, whatever they told him, you know, be careful, you know, he's in the city, so, you know, take his that. But he was a strong mind guy, you know, he was, he was a giving guy, so he came and met with the family and talked. You know, then later I went and visited and showed me a good time, picked me up in the truck at the airport and when I had a limbo and, you know, like some university do. But it all worked out for the better. You know, I got there, you know, spent my four years and he was a good, great coach, great guy. Uh, we still talk to this day and, you know, he said I was a big project. But the year before I got there, they just had won the national championship too. So, uh, you know, I had a great time. Well, your senior year, you were the D2 player of the year. So, uh, obviously, yeah. you did very, Played very well. State. Yeah, that was big because Rap Sampson just had left. So, I think if he was still there, I wouldn't have won. But, you know, hard work pay off. I was like 25 and 18, but I was at a smaller school. But wow. numbers bring people out. And then you, the person, they have to judge you when they see you, can you play basketball. One thing my college coach told me, he showed me the game. Not just because I'm at a smaller school, but just show me how to play basketball no matter where I was at. After all that happened, my senior year, I went to like four All-Star games. I went to East and West All-Star, I went to Hawaii, I went to the PIT. So I go to the PIT, I get down there, you know, it's, it's most of the guys who's not going first round, but late first or the second. So I was down there playing, so I got there, they didn't know me because I was there. I was from Division Two. you know, they threw, they threw us in as some guys to be there, but I was one of them guys that they threw in. They didn't know that how my hard work and my work effort, I was like 30 and 20 Jeez. for three three oh, games straight. And after that, they picked me to go to Hawaii and all that. So just out the dough up, especially when I played the East and West All-Star game in Kentucky with all the, the top 15 in some kind of way. My numbers from, got me into that, and I, and I played well. Dean Smith was my coach. And one thing about Dean Smith, he told guys, you know, all these guys went to big school, so they think they're special. So Dean Smith was telling about it, pass twice, then shoot. So I'm listening to him because I'm good with, you know, taking, you know, stuff, you know, coaches listening in detail. So he would tell a lot of guys, two shots and pass. So guy was coming down shooting the ball, one pass. And so Dean Smith, and he wasn't saying nothing. After he gave his pregame speech, the guy was coming just jacking up shot. He just pulling guys out like a yo-yo. So I'm saying like, wow. They didn't hear what he said. I wasn't about to tell them again because I was listening. And I played well. Like, I think I got like 15 and 15, but that was big for me because playing against the number of Division One, I'm Division Two, 
And then when, you know, they said I was going to get drafted between second third round, I went top ten. So it's just a blessing. Hey, uh, Oak, I knew you could play. And let me tell you when, and I know you remember this. Remember we were over at Cleveland State? It was in the summer. You were a day or two yeah. leave, uh, before you left before, for uh, Chicago and, uh, you know, for uh-huh. training camp. And, uh, and uh, you asked me, said, come on, let's play. And I'm thinking, you know, I'll play this young boy. You know, I'm, I was our enforcer, you know, here and with the Lakers. I said, let me play against this young boy. One of the things that I, when I evaluate talent is if they have courage. Because if you don't have courage, I'm the wrong guy to play against. And me and right. you know a lot of big-name guys, they're bullies when they have an advantage. But mm-hmm. real courage is when we, we go head-to-head, you don't flinch, I don't flinch, and then we see what, uh, what the score is at the end of the game. That was the way I was played. I always played, and I was raised. Remember we were playing, I think, I think you might have been up five to four or something we were playing. I think we played three or four games that day. Remember that loose ball that, that ran, mm-hmm. that Tim, the ball comes off the rim. All right. I'm trying to screen him off. He's bowing me, elbowing. I'm giving it right back to him, and the ball rolls on the floor. Now, I don't dive for loose balls. Oakley bangs past me, dives, picks the ball up, and scores. But in the meantime, while we were banging, he kicked me in the back of my calf. Do you know, Oak, my calf hurt for two years after that? <laughs> and then when we got through. I'm sorry. When we got through. Yeah, my uh, thing is, uh, when you said that, see, when I played with Pat Riley, you remember it, that? Moved, it, it, you remember it wasn't that? no out-of-bounds football. The ball, ain't no out-of-bounds who whoever get the ball. But I had to, you know, like, if you watch me play in my career, I hustle, I dive, and the floor dive the stand. So I didn't just do it because of that ball. I do it because of all balls. So, you know, I remember uh, <laughs> cut you out in, in Washington. I died for a ball. Chris Webber, like I tried to take him out. Like I said, man, I, I play hard, man. You playing cute? Don't. Hey, I don't care. Right. I'm saying to myself, so, go ahead. I'm sorry for cutting you off. <laughs> uh, listen. Then after that, uh, we we got off the floor. I hugged you. I said, man, you gonna make it. I don't know if you remember that. And then some people asked me. They said, what do you think? I said, oh, shoot, he's a pro. Because see, people don't understand. It's good to have all the physical attributes, you know, that's 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 basic. But the fundamentals of right. our game is just a mental it's a mental and a spiritual game. Where is your mind? And I knew you were strong enough after after that. What I wanted to ask you about in the first segment, you and Jim were talking about today's game versus when you played. And of course in today's game you've got load management and nights off and so forth. Oh, yeah. You had three years that you played all eighty two games. And one year, the Knicks had 25 playoff games. You played 107 games. Just talk about yeah. what that's like mentally and physically to, to just go out and play every night. That's what was expected, correct? That was expected. That was my sign my, uh, when I signed my contract. It's 82 games, four years, five years, whatever. I mean, sometimes, you know, you might get sick or you might do this and that. But back in our era, you know, when I first came in the league, it was like, you got a twist ankle, a full groin, or, or almost a broken thing or something, you, you're going to play. Because the guy behind you going to get your job, and sometimes you get your job back. But it was just, you know, my thing was always about work. Was just, sure. I just had it in me. And my grandfather, everything is go back to my grandfather. How he used to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning, go to the field, come back, wow. eat 20 best, then walk three miles to work. and did that for so many years. I saw it as a kid. 
you know, I ain't see all of it, but I yes. saw enough to inspire me to keep me always working. Don't give up. Don't be weak. You know, and I just, I've been strong minded yeah. about a lot of things in life. I tell everybody, you know, I speak up. I'm, I, you know, I always, you know, if it's right, I'm going to speak up. My teammate special, whoever I'm team or whatever, try not to embarrass or hurt no one, but, you know, a lot of things come when, when you're strong minded, you know, and people are like, well, you, you know, they tell you, well, be careful what you say, this and that. And I always tell everybody, you know, I played the game a long time. I was around the game. And when I talk, I know what I'm talking about. I don't have to come back and apologize. I never had a knock on wood because I try to speak about what I know, not what somebody else said. There you go. Okay, this has been a blast. Uh, just a great time to have a conversation with you. Again, congratulations on your remarkable NBA career. And then, as you've described, uh, your just incredible career following basketball and everything that you've been able to become involved with. We appreciate you stopping by, and uh, perhaps we'll have another conversation on Cavs HQ. Maybe we'll talk about Dancing right. with the Stars, okay. too, the next time. I know. We forgot <laughs> yeah. about that. I, I know. So, my <laughs> goodness. Uh-huh. We'll save that for the next show, Oak. How about that? Okay. All right. All right. I, 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 okay. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Charles. Charles Oakley okay, joining us you, on Oak. Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. We'll be right back. The Drew Joyce Classic, in partnership with the Cavaliers, will be held June 25th through the 27th in downtown Cleveland. This premier U.S. travel basketball tournament features boys and girls in 2nd to 11th grades. Teams will compete for a championship in their age group and showcase their ability to compete at a higher level. Learn more about the tournament at DrewJoyceClassic.com. Cavs in the Community is brought to you by Discount Drug Mart. We'll have more of Cavs HQ presented by Sherwin-Williams after this on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network. Cavs HQ is brought to you by Sherwin-Williams, the official paint and coatings partner of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And by Huntington. If you need guidance on your money right now, talk to Huntington. Welcome. And we welcome you back to Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams, Tim Elkhorn, Jim Jones, and yes, he has settled into the Legends Chair. Well, we've had some terrific legends that have made themselves comfortable in the Legends Chair, but uh, his first appearance on Cavs HQ, Rick Mahorn now joins us to talk a little NBA basketball. Rick, as always, a pleasure to have you with us, and I know you're just thrilled to be with your good buddy, Jim Jones. I'm oh, yeah, he's sleeping. real thrilled. I'm still sleeping, but <laughs> I, I guess I, I'll do it now since now y'all throwing me in the Legends chair. I see how it is now, Jones. I see how it is. <laughs> hey, now, Rick, we've had some legends in the Legends chair. We're talking Norm Nixon, Bob McAdoo, Spencer Haywood. So, you know, you're in some pretty elite company right here. Do you want to know something? That, that means I done took second chair to some bums. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's a it's a pleasure to be behind those guys. Those are uh, I always look at all the former players and players before me as foundation guys and real guys that taught me how to be an NBA player. And Jim Jones is all it's been the best one ever because that's when my my career started to elevate. Well, as you look at the NBA today. Boy, how much different is it than when you were running up and down that hardwood? 
Well, it's a lot different. Players like Jim Jones and myself, I mean, Bob McAdoo would Bob McAdoo Bob McAdoo would have been the best person for this league now, but yep. please back then we were in the painted area. We always had to play the uh more physical guys, Lonnie Shelton types, uh uh Bob Lanier's. But it it's changed a lot, but you know what it's fun to watch when you if you want to keep looking at the three ball going up. Well, Rick, one of the things that I want to talk about is is your rookie year with the Washington Bullets. And I want to end uh, the and you know we have Bernie Bickerstaff's son coaching us. Was 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 he around holding his father's pants leg when uh you know when you were with the Bullets? Do, do you remember JB? Oh, I remember JB. I remember Cindy. I remember the whole family. And that's the okay. funny thing about it that we see in the NBA that I see, you know, your son's working, my son's working for NBA teams, yep. and it only just yep. branches out to make us a big family. And I remember JB. Every time I see JB, if he don't call me Mr. Mahorn, I think I can smack him inside <laughs> his head. But I ain't trying to do that now. I'm too old. I'm ready to – I can't even run fast no more. But I'm just so excited about how we as parents can allow – open up the doors – for our children to try to carry on the legacy. Your daughter's working within the organizations. Yep. It, it Bobby Dandridge's daughters. When you meet these young these young uh, these young people, you go like, I remember when you had a snotty nose and you was crying. You was crying for your mama. My daughter told me you said that. <laughs> well, well, you know, Charles, you 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 know, you used to say. I remember you telling me some one, one thing. Somebody said. Oh, you're going to be a Mahorn head. you the Mahorn head. And she started crying. I was like, I was insulted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you shouldn't have been. You shouldn't have been. But, Rick, I will tell them the one story about Gene Shue. You remember how me and you used to always have a, just playful fights? And you remember the time we were going up the escalator in the Washington Towers in Seattle? And you moved, and I was at the top, and you were at the bottom, and you grabbed me by my pants leg from behind and tore my pants. Remember when I waited for you at the top, and we were uh, uh, WWFing all over the floor and rolling around, and every all the players just walked past like nothing never happened. <laughs> then all of a sudden, remember when Gene Shue came over there, and Gene Shue well, was our coach. He, 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 he looked at us and kept going. <laughs> And uh, you know what, Jones? We've had some. Oh my gosh, man! Listen, you talk. I remember my first year coming in the league. Wes Unsell, Big E, those were uh, iconic guys on our team. But then when we traded my my second year, and we traded for you, I learned so much between you and Spencer Haywood. We'd be in conversations at times, yep. and y'all would That's include right. me. And I'm sitting there going like. Dude, this is only my second year in the league, and it's like, oh, shut up! You you've been here before. Don't worry about it. I was last, man. It was funny, yeah. Well, Rick, you were that good. A, you were you were way respect. ahead of the curve. My natural follow up question is: What's the best piece of advice that you got from Jim Jones? Oh my God! Oh, be careful now. Be careful that now. He he was the most <laughs> handsomest guy in the NBA. <laughs> in Every my mind. time we would play teams that he played for, they would always do this crusher thing. And I'm like, well, oh, who the man. hell is crusher? And next thing you know, there's like, yo, they, and then he going, he's going to walk next to me. That, 
that's that's my stage name. <laughs> but no, the best piece of advice that I learned from Jim Jones is that every day that we would be in practice, he would teach me um, more things about being a better player. Because me, uh, from uh, where I came from, from a Division two school, a historically black college, Hampton, it was more of teaching me the ropes of how to play different guys, how to, you know, make sure that you, you know, uh, defensively give them some space. This guy couldn't shoot. Don't be up on him. This guy was, he loved this spot. So those are the things that could never replace that I miss now in the league, the veteran leadership of teaching younger guys how to be not only pros, but professionals on and off the court. That's great advice. All right, we're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, we've got a lot more to go through with Rick Mahorn. He seems pretty comfortable in that legend's chair. Great to have him with us on Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. Oh, my. Marty Allen over on the other Ooh. side of the window, <laughs> keeping this show revved up. Great to have you with us on Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams, Tim Elkhorn, Jim Jones, and the Legends Chair is Rick Mahorn. Jim, that's one you could probably just sing right along. Yeah, I, I probably could. In fact, I probably used to do the two-step. Rick, Rick took me to a club out near the Air Force Base. Called, remember that club called the Classic? Oh, yeah. And, uh, I know the yeah, and Rick, and, uh, and, uh, Rick took me out there one time. But uh, I'm going to tell you a violent story right now about how rough these two guys were the most physical guys since probably the 60s and the 70s. And they were Rick Mahorn and Jeff Rulin. Jeff Rulin was a Golden Gloves champ out of New York City that just happened to be 6'10". And uh, he and Rick were best friends and to this day still best friends. And I remember specifically how they used to set blinding picks. Do you remember up in Portland where Lionel Holland was on defense and he kept coming around guarding Frank Johnson and you stuck out your butt and you remember you hit him so hard. You remember four of his, his fillings, four of his teeth, Tim, <laughs> fell out and rolled on the floor like dice. And we looked down and Rick said with a few other expletives, Jones, look at his teeth. <laughs> And they were mm-hmm. spinning all over the floor. <laughs> you know, he said, you I know got how did your big it. butt knock somebody's teeth out? That's what I want no, to I, know. I kept, I kept telling, I kept telling Train, stop following our guards. Just, just let yep. them go ahead and shoot. Because if you don't, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have to serve you up a few. And I didn't think I was gonna serve him up a few teeth. But till this day. Lionel Hollins always tells me, tell me thank you because that's when he he's that's why his teeth look so white and clean. <laughs> so he says, "Thank you, God, that you did that, man." But it was, you know what? The game of basketball was so physical, and I mean, I, yes, I would was. see, would watch it all the time. So, but it was the fact that look, it was like it was a uh, um, survival. And playing against uh, teams like having Jeff Rulin as my um, my henchman because I've had a few henchmen in my career between Jeff Rulin, Bill Lambeer, Charles Barkley. It, you know, you always kind of pair up and kind of size up with guys. But Jeff Rulin, 
my it was my alter ego. Big old white dude, and then a big old black dude. So we used to have a great time. We still do. <laughs> That's right. Tim, I'm going to let you have the last phase, but I got to tell this one Jeff Rulin story. We were playing Phoenix. Alvin Adams, one of the nicest people in the world, outstanding center that could have played today at 6'8", had a 40-inch vertical. You know, very smart. Jeff Rulin set a pick on Alvin. Alvin got mad, which he never did. Wrong time to get mad. He turned and faced Jeff Rulin, and Jeff slugged him with one of them short arm punches to the face. Do you remember that, Rick? And knocked him. That's the first time I've ever seen a player get knocked out instantly. He fell back Listen. on his head, and he was out. They took him off the court. He was still sleeping. You know, if you if you messed with Jeff or somebody messed with Jeff, it was, you had to you mess with both you, yeah. of us. But Jeff took care of himself just like I did. <laughs> Rick, uh, Jim has alluded to the fact that, you know, you started your career in Washington. You had five years there before uh, you moved on to Detroit. And, of course, uh, that team, the bad boys, uh, as you mentioned, Lambert, Isaiah, Dumars, the whole group, uh, I would think that's what you're known for. How will history judge that team? You know, we don't get the due respect. I mean, you, if, you, if you're not the flashy team like the – the Lakers, and I'm not nothing against you, Crusher, but the Lakers, the Celtics, yep. that was more of the the norm when you would see teams like that, Philadelphia. But we were we were one team that we had, didn't have guys that can had to average thirty plus points in order for us to win. We had a, a group of guys that in in the collective group, uh, at any point, one of those players would get hot and help you out. So I, I always consider the bad boys one of the best teams, the, the top five teams to ever win a championship in the NBA. I agree. I and agree. I was glad to be a part of that because Jones knows you you, you you can't get it unless you're in the game. And we were in the game. Right. And we got a chance to beat uh, uh, one of the best teams with the Lakers. And, and I mentioned totally all those outstanding players, and certainly uh, Chuck Daly played a huge role. Talk about your relationship with Chuck, if you could, Rick. Oh, uh, Daddy Rich, I was talking about him the other day, one of the sharpest, well-dressed men in in the league. But once what set Chuck uh, away from a lot of coaches is that he would put the onus on your, the players. So it wasn't like, he had to do a lot of things to keep us accountable because we were professional enough to know that if this guy is not doing it, he needs to, you know, step his game up. Chuck was more of the guy that orchestrated how he would do a three, you know, you see three guards on the court and you're going like, why has he got three guards on the court? What happened to the traditional small forward and, and the power okay. forward and all that? So a lot of things have changed where we, we played defense like nobody's business and because we knew we weren't going to be able to score as elite as other teams, but we made sure that you physically we were going to beat you down and we are going to win the game. So Chuck Daly was just instrumental in just making us accountable. And, of course, uh, you know, the legendary Jordan rules. What would you think of the last dance? I ain't watched that. Oops, I could. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, oh I, we can edit it. No, I'm yeah. sorry, but I ain't wasting my time. I wasn't wasting two, ten hours of my time to watch that crap. Fair enough. Jim? <laughs> well, but, you know, one thing I want to say about Rick, and uh, sometimes 
uh, his fame doesn't really tell you what kind of player he was. Rick was a rookie, and I thought I was going to start. Here I come from a big championship team, and I'm going here. I got experience or whatever. And uh, Bernie Bickerstaff and Gene Shue, I guess they thought I was going to be upset. Uh, but uh, they came up to me and they said, look, we got something special here between Jeff Rulin and Rick Mahorn. We want to start both of them. Is that all right? I mean, are, are you having a problem with that? I said, no. I said, start them. Man, I, because Rick, I was tired. I was an undersized center. They had <laughs> wore me out over the years. And it was glad to see Rick. I'll tell you one more story. We're playing the Boston Celtics, and we're a young upstart team. Some of our veterans were myself and Kevin Grevy, but not many older guys. These were young kids, Frank Johnson, Rick, Jeff, Jeff, Jeff Rulin. And I remember that we got into a fight. Rick got into a fight with someone. Maybe I think you were beating up Kevin McHale, and then someone else came, and they were all moving out of the way for Jeff. And I remember that I, was, I got off the bench, and I went down to the other end. And I was getting ready to get in there because I wasn't going to let nobody mess with my babies. You know, those are two of my kids. And, you know, they would get sucker punched. So I go down there, and I'm getting ready to go in the fight. And somebody grabs me around the right, right waist, talking like Elvis. Come on, Jimmy. Let's me and you still be and watch this. Come on, let's don't get involved. And he put his arm around me, and I couldn't get away. And then all of a sudden, I turned around. It was Larry Bird. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we, you know, it's the physicality. I mean, the incident that happened the other night with Boogie Cousins and um, and Marquise yeah. Morris. I oh, said, you know what? I miss those days. Those are days where you could get fined two fifty. Now you get fined thirty five thousand. That's your check for the year. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Rick. Before we let you go, I want to transition to the present, just real quick. Uh, from mm-hmm. an outsider's perspective, uh, what do you think of this Cavs roster? What impressed me about your guards, man, I mean, Garland and Sexton in the backcourt, they may be small, but they're quicker than fish grease. I mean, they're, they're just fast, and they push the basketball. And I like the way that uh, uh, J.V. Bickerstaff is um, opening up the court for those young guys to let them learn on the fly. So, I'm, I, you know me, I'm, I'm always going to be a diehard red, white, and blue Pistons fan, but I still got friends with, with Jones and Austin Carr and even Campy Russell, even though I wanted to beat him up when he was with the Knicks. Um, I, I still just feel that I have, you know, I, I have love for them, but still it's, it's going to be that, that, that little stab in the heart that I don't want to see the Cavaliers win nothing. <laughs> Rick okay. will keep the chair warm for you. There you go. Right. Make sure you leave the lights yeah, on. Yeah, we'll leave the lights on for you, as Tom Bodette said. All right. Hey, this has been a lot of fun. We really appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you on down the line then. No problem. Thank yeah, you, Rick. I, I, I'll expect my watch, my uh, other stuff in the mail, but we're, we're good. Okay, send that address. Send the address. I, I need the address. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All All right. Right. Okay. Guys, man, good luck. Rick Mahorn in the Legends Chair as part of Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. We'll be right back. Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. Tim Elkhorn, along with Jim Jones. Marty Allen, as always, dialing up great music on the other side, assisted by Kurt McLaughlin, Leo Simone, 
Boy, Jim, those were two fun conversations. Charles Oakley and Rick Mahorn. And as we said at the top of the show, uh, before we got into those conversations, uh, those guys were known as physical players, uh, enforcers, if you want to use that term. But, boy, uh, they certainly uh, lent a lot of credence to the fact that they were outstanding basketball players as well. Yeah, you're exactly right, Tim. And every team needs one. Let me say that again. Every team needs a physical player who's able to go out every night and set the physicality standard for a team. Because in most cases, Tim, if you've got talent and you're physical, you've got a greater chance of winning games because physicality is a strategy. And you've got to have guys that it comes second nature to who know that's the only way they can play. Oakley, Rick Mahorn, they give you that. And, Jim, I would imagine uh, for teams on the other side, uh, when they looked down and saw Oakley and and Mahorn warming up for the teams that they were playing with, uh, it sent a message before the ball even went up in the air for the opening tip. You're all over, Tim. It is a strategy. It is a strategy, you know, to have physical players. And in the old days, everybody had one, especially next to a center who was more finesse than physical. And the way this game is going, every team needs one. Every team needs a guy 6'6", six, six, all the way up to 7' foot tall, who's willing to sacrifice his body to help his team. Yeah, those were great conversations. Again, uh, thanks to you, Jim, uh, for lining up Charles Oakley and Rick Mahorn Thank earlier you. this year. And Thank certainly uh, we enjoyed those conversations. No, that black book of yours, you know, we're going to put it in bronze someday because it's just <laughs> been incredible uh, throughout the year. All right, that's going to do it for this week's edition of Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. Of course, thanks to the guys on the other side of the window. Uh, that would be Kurt McLaughlin, Marty Allen, Leo Simone, Jim Jones. Great big thank you to you. And again, uh, thanks to Charles Oakley and Rick Mahorn for joining us earlier this year. They were terrific in the Legends chair. We've got more Cavs HQ coming up throughout the summer, so we'll be back with you again next week. So until then... Tim Elkhorn saying thank you very much for listening. And from the radio studios at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse, so long, everybody.